the habit of learning Christ. So that our lives, my life, your life, as it is empowered by the Holy Spirit, as we listen to the Holy Spirit, like we talked about last week, it changes us. We go from knowing Jesus into living Jesus. And as we are living Jesus in our communities, in our workplace, in our school, then suddenly we are sharing Jesus everywhere that we go. Because this, this is the, for me, this has become the foundation of the Christian faith. You know, I quote this verse all the time now, like in all my leadership meetings, all my mentoring meetings, all my denominational meetings, all my pastor meetings, I constantly go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1. The Apostle Paul says these words to the church, and he says this to the Corinthian church. He says this to a church that's a train wreck. If you study Corinthians, it's an absolute train wreck. They're sleeping around. They're worshiping pagan gods. They're following false teachers. It's just an absolute train wreck. And Paul says these words. He says, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. That is what the world, I think, desperately needs. It needs men, women, boys, and girls who are following the example of Jesus. And they're living their lives in such a way that you can actually invite someone to follow your example. Don't follow Kevin because Kevin's amazing. No. Don't follow my wife, Danielle, because my wife, Danielle's amazing. She is, by the way. Okay. But my example, if you don't see Christ in my example, don't follow me. Don't. We need to be following men and women and children who we can see Christ in them. Right? Jesus said these words every time he called someone into ministry. Every time he called someone out of their life that they were living, he said, come, follow me. See, as followers of Jesus, we do not follow a religious system. I talk to so many of my atheist friends or friends from other faith groups. Like, well, all religions are the same. And I explain to them, I, I don't follow a religion. I follow a man. I follow the person of Jesus, fully God and fully man, who walked this earth, who taught people about the kingdom of God, who did miracles to prove his existence to the world, who died for my sin, who rose from the dead, who ascended back to heaven, who sent the Holy Spirit to empower us, and who will return to judge the living and the dead and set up his eternal kingdom. That's not a religion. It's a person. We don't follow a creed. We live lives surrendered to Jesus. And it takes intentional spiritual habits to learn Christ, to follow Christ. I love this quote. It was in the book, uh, Surprise the World, but it's actually a quote from C.S. Lewis. And C.S. Lewis said this, said, in the same way, the church exists for nothing else but to draw people into Christ, to make them little Christ. 
Now, some of you might be offended by that kind of a statement. C.S. Lewis, written a long time ago, a very smart guy. But he's talking about we all become these smaller image bearers of Jesus. We're not Jesus, but you can see Jesus in us. And then C.S. Lewis continues. He says, if they are not doing that, talking about churches, if they're not doing that, all the cathedrals, clergy, missions, sermons, even the Bible itself are simply a waste of time. God became man for no other purpose. It is even doubtful, you know, whether the whole universe was created for any other purpose. It says, the, it says in the Bible that the whole universe was made for Christ and everything is to be gathered together in him. That's why I get up every single morning, hoping, praying, leading that you are becoming more like Jesus, that I'm becoming more like Jesus. So the fourth habit that we're talking about this week that I want all of us to be working on is this, is that I will spend at least one period of the week learning Christ. I'll be intentional in my journey, in my life of learning Christ. Now, again, like I said, this, this message is going to be a little bit more mentoring than teaching. We are going to look at a number of Bible verses as well. But to help us, what does this idea of learning Christ, what does it mean to be intentional in learning Christ mean? Well, first and foremost, this is not a replacement of anything else that you are doing in your spiritual walk. I'm adding to it today. I gave you homework today. (laughs) It's not like, oh, cool, I can quit my life group and just do this sermon instead. No, I didn't say that. Or if you're doing a devotional study through a different book of the Bible, you say, okay, I'm going to stop doing that and I'm going to do this instead. No, I didn't say that. We're going to add on to. We're going to add on. We're going to take some intentional time to learn Christ. We're going to learn more intentionally about Jesus. I mean, can we say this all the time as followers of Jesus, right? We say, what would Jesus do? Right? We're in some kind of situation at school or at a situation at work or in a situation with our spouse. And oh, I wonder what Jesus would do here. Well, you should know the answer to that already if you actually spent time learning Christ. If you have to kind of figure it out on the fly and make it up as you go, then you haven't been intentional in learning Christ. So the book highlights three ways to do this. There's obviously thousands of ways that we can do this. And so I want to speak about those three things and, uh, and how I have seen those things play out. And we'll look at some scripture and hopefully encourage one another as we learn Jesus. But not learn Jesus just to fill our heads, but learn Jesus so it changes how we live. Living Jesus so that we can shock and surprise people of how different we are. The first way this, the three ways to learn and grow in the habit of learning Christ. The first, probably the most traditional and the easiest to do, is to study the Gospels. To study the Gospels. When I'm fortunate enough to mentor someone who has just come to faith in Jesus... I always tell brand new Christians when they go, well, where should, what should I read in the Bible? Where should I start? I always say, Matthew, Mark, Luke, then John. 
and then some people do that very quickly. Some, cause it only takes, honestly, about two hours to read a gospel. You might be shocked by that statement. Some of you go, I've been trying to read the book of John for the last 17 years and I haven't gotten through it yet. It really only takes about two hours if you're an average reader. A slow reader, okay, we'll double it four. If you're a fast reader, an hour. Okay, I'm not saying to study it, tear it apart. I'm just saying just read it. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And then these new Christians, they'll come back to me and say, okay, I finished that, Pastor. Now what should I read? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And then they do that for a while. And then they come back. Hey, Pastor, I've done it a second time. Now what should I read? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Because I'm actually very intentional when I mentor people. Because I want you to look like Jesus. I want you. Now, the rest of your Bible is important. It really is. And you'll get to it eventually. But the goal is not to go through Leviticus and try to figure out what we do with Leviticus. What do I do with cooking goats and mother's milk? What do I do with infectious skin diseases? What do I do with cycles of the month for women? All of these fun topics. Okay, don't worry about that. Oh, I really want to study Revelation and the end of the world and the Antichrist and in which politician is the Antichrist and all. Don't worry about that. You're going to distract yourself. You're going to be all over the map. Look like Jesus. Study Jesus. Read about Jesus. Study Jesus. Read about Jesus. And when your life starts to look like Jesus by going through the Gospels, read it again. Read it again. I don't know if you've noticed this, but in, if you go back over our preaching schedule here at the church, you will have seen I bring us through the Gospels quite regularly. I always go back to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Why? I already know all those stories, Kevin. I already know that. I've already read that. Do you look like Jesus? If, and I know in my life, there are some situations where the answer is nope. So what do I need to do? Go back to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Right? Going back. The Gospels are an amazing way to study Jesus. Paul says this to the Roman church. He says this to the church of Rome in Romans 12, verse 2. a very famous verse that we use all the time. Where he says, Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. But what would Jesus do? I'm in this situation. I don't know what I should be doing. What would Jesus do? Well, what is God's will in this? Well, God's will is for you to look like Christ, to model Christ, to highlight and glorify Jesus in this situation. So I don't want to conform to the pattern of the world. The pattern of the world says, well, I should just fight back. I should defend myself. I should lash out. I should post something really nasty on Twitter. That's what the world says, but we do not conform to that pattern. We conform to the image of Jesus. Let me just kind of ex- explain. Just This is, again, a personal story, and this isn't about making me a hero. This is just a mentoring story, and hopefully that this will encourage you how this plays out. 
And I think I've shared a part of this story before, so if I have, my apologies. Uh, but while I was working on my seminary degree, uh, I was taking a course. I don't even remember which course it was. It might have been a moral theology course that we were taking or a deep theology course. And, and we had to answer a question. It was a simple little statement. It was a one tiny little phrase question. And then you had to write like a three-page answer to this question. And the question was simple. It was written to a room of people that are studying to become pastors and says, would you attend a same-sex marriage? Now, I know that's a hot topic. And I know that's a challenging topic. And I've walked with people who've had to deal with that topic for family members, even their own children. It's a difficult, messy topic. How do we respond? What's the answer? Well, I use my three pages um, to go to Luke chapter 5. I studied the Gospels. What would Jesus do in Luke chapter 5, verses 27 to 32? We read this story. Where it says, after this, so after Jesus, he was forgiving sin, he healed a paralyzed man, says, after this, Jesus went out and he saw a tax collector by the name of Levi. Levi is Matthew. And Matthew is sitting at his tax booth. Follow me. There's that invitation again. Jesus said to him, and Levi got up, he left everything and he followed him. And then Levi, the tax collector, had a great banquet for Jesus at his house, and a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who belonged to their sect complained to his disciples, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus answered them, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have come not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. So on my three pages, I answered, I'd attend. Family member, friend, who same-sex attracted, is getting married. I attend. Because I'm imitating Christ. Luke chapter 5. And then automatically we go, yeah, but pastor, you're not defending the truth. You're not defending the truth. And I've publicly, proudly have said, I believe in the traditional view of marriage between one man and one woman for life. I believe that there are two genders and two genders alone, male and female. That's how God created us in his image. He made us in his likeness. But the world is broken. The world's confused. The world is trying to figure this out. And I'm trying to imitate Jesus as best that I can in my humanity by the power of the Holy Spirit in me. So as I study this, I attend. Because does Jesus, the tax collectors again in their context are the worst of the worst of the worst of the worst of sinners in a Jewish context. (laughs) Is Jesus affirming the tax collector lifestyle? No. He's just eating with them. Is Jesus saying, it's okay to be a tax collector? No. He's just eating with them. (laughs) And who's the mad person in this party, in this story? The religious person. And I'm not trying to be a religious person. I'm trying to be Jesus. (laughs) 
Now, I'm not saying everyone's got to go do this. I'm just using this as a very tough, real-life example that many of us are dealing with. Are you learning Christ from the Gospels? It will shock you what Jesus did. (laughs) It just will. He ate with the people that religious people don't want to eat. He touched the person that doctors would not touch. He would touch lepers. And the doctors would say, no, we're going to put you over here into this other part of the city. He would pick up an adulterous woman off the ground and show love and compassion to her and say, go and sin no more. See, Jesus shocks the world. All of my non-Christian friends want to party with Jesus because he makes the best wine. And there's another thing we can argue about and get angry about. Was it fermented wine? Was there alcohol in it? And all of these things. (laughs) You don't get accused of being a glutton and a drunkard unless you're eating and drinking. (laughs) That's how it works. (laughs) But we learn this. We study this. We meditate on this. We spend time listening to the Holy Spirit on this. And this is just one of many, many, many examples. Learn Christ from the Gospels. That's why Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. If you haven't read one of those in a while, start today. And if you've finished them recently, start over. Learn Jesus from the Gospels. Because the Gospels... the. That story of Jesus with the tax collector shocked his world and completely surprised his world. The text doesn't say, but how many other tax collectors left their table to follow Jesus? We don't know. We'll find out in heaven when we meet them all. (laughs) But Jesus's life shocked the world. So study Jesus in the gospel regularly. The other thing that we can do to learn Christ is to read about Jesus. Just kind of curiosity, and you can shout out your answer here, a little audience participation here, or at Greenbelt Online, just put it in the chat, your your answer to this. How many books do you think have been written about the life and ministry of Jesus? Shout out a number. Type a number in the chat. Thousands. Millions. Right. Well, the answer is I tried to do research on it. and I don't know. (laughs) So if you do research on it and you find out, you let me know. I did find one blog and it talked about that. It's in the tens of thousands. Now, it's just a blog. So I don't quote me that it's tens of thousands, but it's a lot. It's a lot. There's a lot of material written about the life and the ministry, the death, the resurrection, the atonement, what Christ has done for us. There's so many things. And and this is a fascinating verse. At the very end of John chapter 21, it's one of the last verses in the Gospel of John. Chapter 21, verse 25, it says, Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that would be written. Now, I'm not saying go read uh, uh, Jesus fiction books. 
I'm not saying to go read books that are kind of making up stories about Jesus. Don't do that. But, but books that highlight the Gospels, devotional books on the Gospel, commentary books on the Gospels. One of my very favorite commentary series, and I have all of them in my library, and, I, and I'm happy to lend them out if you promise to bring it back. Okay, But it's a book series. It's called the NIV Application Commentary Series. And the, the, the writers of this commentary series just do an amazing job of breaking down the context, looking at the modern world that we live in. How does this text... You know, the truth of God's word from the Gospels play out in this messy world that we live in. And then the application, what does that look like in the life of the Christian and the life of the church? It's an amazing, amazing commentary series that I love reading over and over again. As we study Jesus, as we learn about Jesus. Some of my favorite books written about Jesus. I mean, I'm just going to name off a few. If you want to write these down, if you don't have a pen, email me and I can send this to you during the week. You know, Philip Yancey's The Jesus I Never Knew. Great book. N.T. Wright, Simply Jesus. Tim Keller's Encounter with Jesus. There's so many. That's just three, but I've got dozens and dozens of books. Again, because what do I, am I hoping from my life? <laughs> What am I hoping from my leadership? What am I hoping for my marriage? What am I hoping for my parenting? What am I hoping for as a friend? That I look like Jesus. That they see Christ. So I'm learning Christ through these books. Amazing. We live in an amazing time in human history where we have so many resources available to us. And instead of reading a book about Jesus, and I'm guilty of this too, is I sit down in my lazy boy lounger and I put the feet up and I hit Netflix and I watch Everybody Loves Raymond. Man, I love that show. And it's leaving Netflix on November 19th. So I got like nine seasons to burn through before it's gone in two weeks or three weeks. And you watch, I'm just going to watch one episode. Nine episodes later, I'm wondering if I should go to bed. And then I'll do four more. You know, in that time, I could have read half a book on the life and ministry of Jesus. In that time, I could have read an entirety of a gospel in that time. It's not because you don't have time. It's not. It's not because I don't have time. It's because it's not your priority for some reason. It doesn't, it's not my, always my priority for some reason. That's why it's a habit. That's why it's a habit. <laughs> to read about Jesus, to make the time for this to happen. And then finally, the last idea I just want to share a little bit about, again, this comes from the book, just share a couple of examples about this, is to watch Jesus. Watch Jesus. Now, honestly, when I first read this book back in 2019, this one surprised me. I I never thought of this one before. Uh, But it's talking about watching movies about the life and ministry of Jesus. And when I first read that in 2019, it's, I never would have thought of that. But as I actually reflect on my life, some of the most profound moments and encounters of God that I've had have been while watching a Jesus movie. 
I remember very clearly when I was a little kid, so I might have been eight or nine years old, and I grew up, I went to a French-Canadian Roman Catholic school with the nuns and the priests as our teachers. And um, back, I might have been eight or nine, and when did this come out? 1977, movie came out, Jesus of Nazareth, came out with all British people, right? All British blue-eyed Jesus, but... The quality of that at that time in 1977 was mind-blowing, right? And I remember, so I was six when the movie came out, and then we watched it in school. And I remember getting to the crucifixion, and just, and it wrecked me as a small child. And I remember being comforted by one of the nuns in that moment of the power of the resurrection, I remember years later, years later, like decades later, I went to go see the movie The Passion of the Christ, the Mel Gibson rated R blood fest of the crucifixion. Okay? And I saw it with one of my best friends, one of my oldest friends. He's an atheist, doesn't believe in God. And I went and saw it. And, and my atheist friend was sitting there with his knees up against the chair in front of him, screaming at the screen, just say you're not God. <laughs> Because he knew why he was being executed. He was being accused of blasphemy. And he's being executed. But there's one scene in that movie where Jesus is carrying his cross through the streets. And Mary Magdalene, uh, Mary, his mother, sorry, comes to him. And he looks at his mother and he says these words. And they're not the words from the Gospels. They're actually the words from the book of Revelation. And Jesus says, look, I am making all things new. I can't even say that sentence without tearing up. That the death of Jesus is making me new, is making you new, is making this church new, is making this city new, is making this country new, is making this world new, is making this universe new. And you see what he did in order to accomplish this newness. Powerful. Powerful. Another, you know, years again, there was another thing that came out. Remember when um, the Bible miniseries came out on the History Channel back in 2013, and we were all excited that this series was coming out. <laughs> and it was so well done. The stories were so well done and so well put together. And again, there was another s- scene in, th- in that series that wrecks me. And I watched this clip regularly to be reminded of it. And it's the story that we just read of Jesus calling Matthew, of calling Levi, where Jesus is telling the parable of a tax collector and a Pharisee, and how this tax collector knew his sin, just like I know my sin, just like you know your sin. And this Pharisee, this religious leader who's so proud and just looks at the tax collector and says, thank you, Lord, for not making me like this person. Thank you that I tithe. Thank you that I'm religious. Thank you that I observe the commandments. And Matthew wouldn't even look up to heaven. He just beat his chest. He said, Lord, have mercy on me. A sinner. I can't even watch that scene without crying. That's the call. That's the call. Am I calling people to repentance in the same way? that I'm visualizing in these movies and these stories. So if you're a visual learner, watching these things 
can be incredibly moving in your learning Christ. Study the Gospels. Read about Jesus. Watch Jesus. The fourth habit is I will spend at least one period of the week learning Christ. I didn't tell you how long that has to be. Might be five minutes. Might be 15, 30, two hours, whatever it is for you. But take an intentional habit step this week. Not to replace the other ways that you are growing in your faith or learning the Bible and all those other things. But to add to your discipleship, intentionally learning about Jesus. Because if you show up at work looking like Jesus, you're going to surprise someone. If you show up to school looking like Jesus, you're going to surprise someone. They're expecting us to look like Pharisees. The world is expecting us to want to cast people out and to not welcome people and to not love people. That's what's expected. But because God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son, that whoever shall believe in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life because the son of God did not come into the world to condemn the world because in its sin, the world was condemned already. The life of Jesus invites everyone to him. And maybe you're watching this online. Maybe you're here in the room today and you've never learned about Jesus this way. But you've learned maybe about religion. You've learned about tradition. You've learned about church. But you've never learned that there is this God who loves you, who died for you, who wants to live through you and welcomes you into his family. As Paul talked about earlier, the family of God. And you can know God. You can experience God. You can start the journey of learning Christ by simply praying, Father, forgive me, a sinner. Just like Levi did. Just like I've done. Just like many of us have done. Father, forgive me, a sinner. Come into my life. Help me to live more like you. If you pray that way today at Greenbelt Online, the pop-up shows up. Please you know, fill that out. Let us know you've done it. If you pray that way today in this room, please let me know in the cafe afterwards. I'd love to rejoice with you. But for all of us, let's be intentional. Let's be intentional. The world is messy. It's confusing. Your families are messy and confusing. Your workplace is messy and confusing. Be like Jesus. Learn Christ. Just like C.S. Lewis said, let's all be little Christ out in the world together. Let's pray. Lord, I praise you for the teaching, the ministry, and the example of our Lord Jesus. That he was willing to leave his glory in heaven to walk among sinful men and women like me, like us. But he called us to repentance. He called us to a new life. He called us to a family as we just turn from our sins and turn to him. So, Father God, 
I ask for your forgiveness for those times when my life has not looked like Jesus. But I'm so incredibly grateful for your grace and for your mercy and for your forgiveness. Forgive us for the times where our church may not have looked like Jesus as much as we would have liked it to. But again, God, we praise you for your grace and your mercy and your forgiveness. But God, do something new. Make us more like Christ, I ask. And as we continue to sing and praise God for the gift of salvation and for his power and for his majesty this morning, Spirit, continue to speak because your children are listening on how we can be more like Christ this week. We pray in Jesus' name.